from the laboratories of your name here had come the key to the secret that had baffled man through the ages. No longer a dream, but a reality was your product here. A brighter future unfolded. Thanks to your name here. Employment boom. Not only in the vast modern facilities of your name here, but in factories everywhere. Geared to supply this vital new industry that is reshaping our economy and transforming the lives of millions. This episode of Diffusion Science Radio is supported by you, the listener. Make a donation directly to www.diffusionradio.com. International Science Radio Show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we inject weird and wonderful science directly into your brain. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this edition, Bitcoin disrupts and Segway scoots. But first up, here's the news. Asteroid Ahoy! The 600-metre asteroid 2004 BL86 is approaching the Earth at a speed of around 56,000 kilometres per hour. On Australia Day, Monday, January 26th, it will pass us just over a million kilometres away at its closest approach, which is about three times the distance between the Earth and the Moon. Far enough to be safe and close enough for a good look. The asteroid will be visible through small telescopes and strong binoculars, slowly moving across the sky. NASA will be bouncing microwave radar off the asteroid using the dishes of the 70-metre Deep Space Network in Goldston, California, and the 300-metre Arecibo Observatory in Puerto Rico, for detailed images. The echoes should give accurate shape, rotation and density of the asteroid. Astronomers first detected the asteroid on January 30th in 2004 with the 1-metre Lincoln Near-Earth Asteroid Research, LINEA, survey in White Sands, New Mexico. For amateurs with large binoculars or small telescopes, the asteroid will become visible in the Southern Hemisphere on Saturday, January 24th, in the general vicinity of Sirius. By January 26th and 27th, it should become more visible in the Northern Hemisphere, around the constellation of Cancer. The Northern Hemisphere Skywatchers will get the final view on January 29th. If you see a very slowly moving star, that's the asteroid. Asteroid 2004 BL86 will be back in another 200 years.
You're listening to Ian Wolfe on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. And next, the disruption of Bitcoin. Web developer Michael Dance has been following Bitcoin for the last year and a half. He's interested in the technology, the political implications, and what it means as a disruptive technology. I spoke to him at the Bitcoin Sydney meetup at the Metropolitan Hotel and began by asking him, what can Bitcoin disrupt? What happens when you disrupt banks, government, you know, potentially taxation? Yeah, that, that's the thought experiment that just gets really crazy to think about. So aren't there issues though, like traditional money, there's mechanisms for resolving disputes. So you can go to your bank or you can go to the tax department or you can go to the government or the courts if you're not happy with what's happened with the way your money's been handled. But if you're dealing with Bitcoin, say a Bitcoin exchange or a repository or something, what redress do you have if if they suddenly close up and disappear? Well, the, the way to think about that is, is and this, this is one of the things that's going to make Bitcoin adoption, like this is one of the things that makes it really revolutionary. And it's also one of the things that's going to be the, the biggest paradigm shifts to overcome is that because really at the heart of, of Bitcoin, what it does is it, it moves that responsibility from a, a centralized institution like, like what we have with banks, insurance companies and, and government for a lot of, a lot of respects. And, and it actually it shifts that responsibility back onto the individual. So it, it, it gives individual people control of, of their whole net worth. Now that, that's a very scary proposition and that's, um, you know, I, I've been researching this now for a year and a half and even have a, having a really good understanding of the technology, that's still quite a scary proposition. It's, you know, I understand the technology, I've been researching it for a year, I'm still not completely comfortable taking my entire net worth in my own hands because that's, that's a big responsibility. But that's one of the interesting things about seeing this technology and understanding how it works is that a lot of the ways that it's addressing those issues is in ways that once we solve it, it it's solved. It, it actually takes a lot of the... I, I mean, it, really what it does is it, it takes a lot of the things that cause the global financial crisis, the, the centralization and the lack of regulation and, and it, it actually solves those problems in a technology sense. So so one of the ways that it does that, for example, is with a technology called like multi multi-signature technology. So so what that means essentially is that if you're using eBay, if you're using PayPal, if you're using Visa, all these different networks, your only game in town in, in terms of dispute resolution is, you know, you've got to play by PayPal's rules if you're using PayPal. So, so what multi-sig technology does is it, it say, we're, say we're buying antique art, you know, and, and I trust that it's genuine. I'm, I'm dealing with you directly. For one, Bitcoin allows us to just work directly. We don't need any middlemen involved to do the transaction. Um, and now with this multi-signature technology, what that allows us to do is it, is it, is it essentially levels the playing field for 
that dispute resolution, that arbitrator person. So, so what we could do instead would be we could have like a two of three multi-sig account where if you, like, like basically instead of like PayPal, we could have a fine art specialist be a signing authority on the transaction. So what that means is that if either one of us disputed it, you know, I didn't pay you, you didn't, if there was some issue, we, we could go to this, this person and, and like, look, you settle this dispute. So, so that's a very simple example, but that can be extrapolated into, you know, you could have a consensus of 10 people making that decision. And, and like, I, like the key thing there though, really is that it, it's that leveling of the playing field is that, you know, for whatever transaction you're dealing with, this allows you without any middleman whatsoever to have an expert in that domain vouch for it and, and you can do it in a way where because of the technology you can trust that there's not a single one of us that can just run off with the money and that's that's huge that, that's quite a game changer if you think about you know if you look at sites like eBay you know that, that allows like okay we're going to do this transaction for whatever it might be all of a sudden that opens up a marketplace for for yeah I'm a expert in guitars I'm an expert in hardware I'm an expert in all these different things I'd much rather have their opinion to just to resolve our transaction disputes than you know some minimum wage worker at MasterCard deciding who's right and who's wrong like it, it just it, it's opening up a whole new market in in that respect one of the things that worried me though is if I've got most of my money in a digital wallet what happens if I forget the password? How, how the technology solves those issues is, and, I, and this is something that I've got direct experience dealing with, and this was, so, so I, I had a lot of my, my Bitcoin, like it was, it was held on Mount Gox, which is, you know, the, the world's go-to disaster in terms of Bitcoin for, you know, th this sort of problem. And I think the, the thing to realize about that situation is that that really played into like what the traditional problems with, with this sort of thing is, is that centralized exchanges like Mt. Gox, they, they, were, they weren't using the technology the way that it should be used. And what I mean by that was that they were basically taking custodial access of everybody's accounts. So they were, instead of me being able to, to authorize transactions on my own account, by using Mt. Gox, they, you were basically giving up that up to them. So you had millions of people's money that was, they, they were the ones who had the key for it. And, you know, it, it's just the, the historical case of, you know, when one person has a lot of money, they end up just cutting and running with it and, and leaving a, a bunch of people out to dry. Um, so that's like, I think, a very fundamental misunderstanding of, of this technology. What this technology does is it eliminates that systemic risk by putting it back in our control. Um, and so to answer your question in terms of like how the technology solves if I forgot my password, um, one of the things that, that the technology allows is that I could, for example, I could print my account signing authority onto 
what's called a paper wallet or cold storage, so that I could, if if I lose my phone and I've got Bitcoin on it, I can just basically buy a new phone. You know, I can I can basically put that paper wallet onto another phone and just basically transfer the funds onto a new device. And and I mean, even just the fact that you said, well. I can password protect money. I mean, that is something we we haven't been able to do before. That's something that, you know, the comparison that we've got to that is if I leave my wallet with two hundred dollars at the bar, and someone grabs it, I mean, it, it's gone. There, there's no recourse right now that I have for that. It, I, I'm relying on, you know, hopefully that person's morals to to deliver that that money back to me, but. You know, even in that sense, like so, if if I leave my phone that has two hundred dollars in Bitcoin on it, if it's password protected and I've got this this paper wallet backup, well then, unless they know my password, they're not able to steal the money, which is different if I had two hundred cash in a wallet. Whereas, you know, it's password protected, but I've got a, a another backup. That I can just buy a new phone and restore it onto. So, so it, the fact that it's digital actually gives you that ability to, um, to transfer it from one device to another, and that that's actually a selling point of, you know, what what this technology allows. And the the other aspect of that that I've this is another thing I've I've done. There's a another aspect of it that you can do in the same. Kind of vein where I can have instead of just having the the account details on one piece of paper backup. I mean, I I could have that on five different SD cards that allow me to do the same thing. Um, and then the other interesting aspect of it is that I can have, and this this is something I've done with my family, is that I, I can actually have that paper backup split into Say four different pieces. So what that allows me to do is, I can have the one whole backup that will allow me, if if my laptop dies or my phone dies, I can take that one backup and restore everything. Or the flip side of that is, with with this split backup that I'm talking about, what that allows me to do is that I can give one piece of that backup to each family member. So I, I did this, you know. I sent one to my mother in Canada, one to my father in New Zealand. I've given one to my brother, and I've got one. Uh, and in the same kind of way as as what the multi-signature technology does, is, is what that means is that any two of my family members need to come together, and then they can collectively take ownership of of those funds. And so that's like the idea of like a will. If you know, if something happens to me. They, they, any two of the, you know, the three remaining members, as long as they can come up with two of those pieces, then they can withdraw the money that way and and take ownership of it. Which is, like again, that's never been possible before. That in, in a way that you don't need to rely on a bank. Like that's that's just a game changer. So so I mean, my holdings at the moment, I've got some of them on my phone, which is password protected. You know, if I leave my phone, then that's secured. And then my savings holdings, I've got in a combination of offline that I'm in full control of, in case my phone and my laptop dies, 
And then I've also got in case of I I I have you know I die or whatever. There's also the solution where my family can can come together and take ownership of that money as well. So so really, I don't think I explained that very well or eloquently, but but it it's it really does like again it's a technology solution to solve most of these common problems and. I mean, to bring it back to that that Mount Gox situation, that's you know being being a regular at this meetup, that that would be one of the most misunderstood things about you know what, with the question you raised about well Mount Gox and all these situations is that if you're doing if you're using this technology properly and and you are you know using these safe measures that I've talked about to to you know where you are actually like how it's meant to be in control of your funds. It's it's actually a really bulletproof technology. That's something that in in the five years that this technology has been running, if you can break that, there's a you know a billion dollar market bounty to claims. So it's it's really in that regards, it has stood the test of time. You know, for five years, speaking to the technology, and um, I think the other important thing to realize about that is that. I mean, fundamentally, the technology that underrides this, this is the same technology that secures your banks, secures your mobile phone communications, secures, you know, all the, the, the internet security that we, we rely on every day. So, so if, there's, if there's holes in this system, it's, it's going to be, you know, it's going to just ripple throughout all of our you know, all the technology in our, our modern worlds. So it's pretty secure because the rest of our, the rest of our encryption is pretty... It's, we're, we're standing on the shoulders of giants in that sense. That, that's really what Bitcoin is. is Bitcoin is a... It's quite a novel um, approach. Of, and really what it's doing is it's just cobbling together, um, you know, all the, like, innovations from peer-to-peer networking cryptography and and all these different systems and it's it's just combining them in a way that you know it, it is very unique uh, it's the first kind of attempt at it and it's yeah like it, it is it is based in in very tried and tested technology Michael thank you very much oh thank you very much that was Michael dance talking about the disruption of Bitcoin you can find the Bitcoin Sydney meetup at www.meetup.com slash bitcoinsid. And finally, Malcolm Fade has built a homemade, self-balancing, two-wheeled scooter like a Segway. I met him in a very windy park at the Eastern Sydney Makers Meetup in Rose Bay. And, after taking a ride on the scooter, asked him how he got started. I guess I first came across the idea from the commercial Segway and thought, oh, that looks like an interesting thing. I wonder if I could make one of those. And what was the next step? Well, um, then I went to a Linux conference in Sydney some years ago, and about seven or eight years ago, I guess, and bumped into a guy that had made one, and he was giving people turns. And I thought, oh, this is cool. And that was kind of my motivation to start collecting parts and figure out how it's to be done. Thankfully, he had open source software, which helped immensely in uh, getting the process working. And how long did it take for you to start building it all and get it working? As with most of my projects, the hardest part is the research. 
I think I spent about three months researching and then just a, quite a short time actually, maybe two or three weeks um, just on weekends and spare time constructing. And how does it work? What's the controlling part of this? So it's basically it's got motors and two wheels and a platform and it stays steady while you're on it. So what's the guts of this? How does it work? Well, for inputs, it's got uh, the main inputs are an accelerometer and a gyroscope. The gyroscope tells the software which way it's tipping and how fast it's tipping. The accelerometer tells the system how far is down. Uh, sorry, which way is down. The um, at low speed, the uh, the accelerometer has most bias, and at higher speed, the the gyroscope. The uh, that's both fed into a microcontroller. The micro controller uses a Kalman filter to combine those two input signals and using software and a PID loop to then control the wheels and the balance. There's also a joystick input to control the left and right which is differential steering. The software's goal in life is to keep the platform horizontal. So if you tilt the platform forward it'll tend to roll forward continuously. You tilt it back it rolls back continuously. The further you tilt the faster it goes. What was that filter you were saying that combined the inputs? A Kalman filter. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, it's used to combine the noisy input signal of the accelerometer and the drifting signal of the gyroscope into something that's usable by the software. Amazing. So where can you drive this? Nowhere, legally. <laughs> Nowhere, not in public spaces. Um, on private property. There's even a picture of a Segway on the RTA website that says that this is forbidden. Oh no! <laughs> and what's your background? Are you an engineer? My background is electronics and, well I did a New Zealand certificate in electronics and tech, computer technology, so hardware and software. If there was a thing called mechatronics when I was being educated, that would have been what I did, but there was no such word at the time. And you referred to your other projects, so what else have you been building? I've been playing, I don't know, play with a few different things as, as they take my interest. Um, after I built the Segway, um, I embarked on an electric car project, a Hilux Ute battery powered electric that was featured in Silicon Chip magazine a few years ago. Um, I subsequently sold that because I couldn't really develop it, develop it any further with the technology I used. Subsequently bought all of the bits and pieces I need to make a reasonably high performance um, small car rear-wheel drive car. I've got a BMW E30. If anybody's looking for a project, I'm actually trying to sell all of the parts that you need to do this conversion just because I've run out of time and uh, having a young family and building electric cars takes a lot of time. Um, other things I've been playing with, I've built a CAN bus dashboard and trip computer for electric vehicles that use a particular speed controller called Kelly which has a lot of data available on its CAN bus so that job, its job is to be a, first of all, a speedo and odometer because you require that by law. And then um, as a result of measuring the current voltage, I can calculate power. Now, as a result of speed and distance, I can calculate watt hours per kilometer, which is a result of, uh, which gives you efficiency instead of liters per hundred K. And then uh, using the pre-programmed battery capacity, you can then have a fuel gauge so it counts down from zero and gives you also gives you the range remaining to travel uh, on your on your battery pack. Amazing. And if people want to find you online, where do they look? Best place is to look at my very infrequently updated blog, which is malfunction.fade.name. 
uh, malfunction.faed.name. Well, Malcolm Fade, thank you very much. Thank you. That was Malcolm Fade with his self-balancing two-wheel scooter at the eastern suburbs Sydney Makers Meetup at www.meetup.com slash eastern-suburbs-makers. With new, your product here, available to all, man is working modern miracles, breaking the boundaries of time, nearing the conquest of space itself. In countless ways, directly and indirectly, your product here serves the nation and its citizens, plays a vital role in helping every American to achieve a better way of life, enables or helps him to enjoy healthful recreation, have well-trained, obedient pets, make friends, have leisure time for travel, grow bigger crops, get real smoking satisfaction, strengthen our national defense, keep romance from fading away, enjoy smoother shades, live in a more comfortable home, take off ugly fat, achieve success. And if you'd like your name here, Diffusion is looking for sponsors. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Would you like to join us? We need more people contributing stories to Diffusion. You can send your contributions, opinions, congratulations, standing ovations, gasps of amazement and helpful suggestions to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. And please do send me an email so I know you're listening and you'd like to hear more episodes. Please like the Diffusion Science Radio page on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Checking production was Charles Willock. I produced Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia on the Community Radio Network, including 2 Triple H in Hornsby, Karingai, 2 NVR in Nambucca Valley, 2 XX in Canberra, and 3 MBR in the Mallee Border Districts of Victoria and South Australia. Diffusion is syndicated globally on the National Science Foundation's Science360 internet radio station and also on astronomy.fm. You can now hear Diffusion on Stitcher, radio on demand and on the go. Download the free app from stitcher.net and review Diffusion. Subscribe to the podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. And check the website for links and videos about this week's show. Ask your local radio station to broadcast Diffusion. Would you like to hear your voice on radio? Would you like to read one of my scripts? Send an email to science at diffusionradio.com and we'll talk. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. And to take us out, Chinstrap Music's The Phantom Ship from their Sounds to Come album.